Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. The goodness keeps flowing. I have so many tips and juicy nuggets to share about creating a pleasurable pregnancy that I had to make a whole second episode. This one is about supplements, food, and movement during pregnancy. Keep listening to help a soon-to-be mama you know or to prepare yourself if you want children. Welcome to part two of a pleasurable pregnancy. In the first part, I talked about our conception journey, about having your support team, and about making sure that you are creating this holistic experience and finding the sacredness in each moment of carrying new life. I have just found so much joy and spiritual growth in being pregnant that I wanted to share some of my ideas and suggestions. Now, I just want to reiterate, like I did in the first part, that this is not medical advice. This is just my own experience. I am not a doctor. Make sure that you use a doctor and a support team that really feels right for you. Um, but I'm hoping that this will illuminate some things about pregnancy, either if you're planning on getting pregnant or if you're already pregnant, or if you are someone who has a friend or a sister or a colleague who is a pregnant mama. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about supplements and movement and food. These are three of the big pillars of, of a healthy pregnancy when it comes to our biological uh, energy and our, our, they call it our bioenergy in, um, in network spinal analysis. So you might hear me say that wording, but our bioenergy is really important because pregnancy is creating a baby. It's creating something in the 3D world with our bioenergy, with our fuel. Now, I'm someone who tends to live in more emotional and energetic and spiritual worlds, and I don't often pay enough attention to my body. So this is something I had to really learn with being pregnant, is to tend my own garden in a physical way than I norm way more than I normally would. And so let's start actually with movement, and then we'll go into supplements and food. So you might see or or notice on, I think on Facebook, there was tons of ads about like staying in shape during pregnancy and what to do. And to be honest, I had an idea that I was going to be one of those yoga mamas (laughs) that I was going to take a bunch of prenatal yoga and be chanting with other moms. And I even looked up quite a few prenatal yoga classes throughout the pregnancy. And I got to be honest, I never went to one. (laughs) And I feel like a bad yoga student and a bad former yoga teacher even just saying that because I know the benefits of yoga. It's great for flexibility. It's great for strength. It's great for balance. It's great for stress release. And even though I've been practicing yoga for almost 20 years, or no, let's say I started when I was 25, so that would have been sorry, 13 years, (laughs) 14 years, um, for for over 14 years, uh, I did not feel drawn to yoga. This was my own personal experience. So my invitation to you is to check in with what your body wants and needs, but find something that feels good that is a form of movement. So my body continuously in this pregnancy has wanted to feel strong. I may have mentioned in the first part of this series, The Pleasurable Pregnancy, that even in January before we conceived, I was on this health kick and I was doing more light weightlifting and Pilates and strengthening exercises at home using my own body weight resistance. And that just continued 
I had the good fortune of being able to get some, some videos and access to a bunch of different videos from a woman named Samantha Olson. And I believe her offering is called Fit Goddess Body, but you'll have to check her out. You can find her Samantha Fox Olson on Facebook or on Instagram. And I signed up for the option to have access to all of her video library. And that was a blessing because in it, she has so many videos, hundreds of videos, and there's strengthening videos and there's more cardio based videos and there's more yoga based videos. To be honest, I tried a few of the yoga videos and even though they were great, I just wasn't feeling it. My body kept wanting to be strong. And so I was doing a lot of her videos that used lunges and squats and, you know, uh, exercises for the booty and for the quads and for um, the lower part of the body. And what I loved doing is I loved doing those videos while listening to the affirmations for baby and for healthy pregnancy. And I will talk more about affirmations and which ones I use, but there's some really great videos on YouTube that have baby and pregnancy affirmations. And so I double dipped. I, I did my strengthening exercises while listening to the affirmations and it gave me such a boost because I would literally be, you know, doing a squat or something like a wide legged squat. And I would be thinking, you know, I'm a powerful birther or I'm a powerful mother, or I'd be saying those things out loud. And it got me to sink my mind and my body preparing for this really magical and beautiful pregnancy and birth. And so for me, that's what worked really well. I like working out at home. It works for me. I like having the time and space to do it anytime that I want. I'm a pretty disciplined person, even though I'm all about pleasure. And so that hasn't been a challenge for me, but there are people who, you know, need to work out in groups or like working out in groups or need to have a structure and need to be accountable to show up at a certain time on a certain day. And if that's you, then definitely find a group fitness class. Just make sure that you don't overdo it. I, I think it's really important that we don't push ourselves during pregnancy. This is all about receiving and allowing and being nurturing to ourselves. And ironically, being nurturing to myself looked like doing squats and doing light weights, but it might look differently for you. Um, I also did some arm movements, arm weights, you know, for the major muscle groups in the arms and in the back, also with Samantha's videos and with her help through those. And that was amazing because I wanted to feel that my arms were still toned, that I wasn't giving up all the muscle and, and tone that I had developed through my yoga practice. And also I found that when I did light weights connected to like my pecs or my chest, that it actually helped me navigate the, the fact that my breasts have grown tremendously, but they didn't feel as, as saggy. I mean, you know, who cares if my breasts end up being saggy after breastfeeding, which they probably will be. It's just a beautiful part of my body's transition and amazing that my body is capable of having a baby and, and feeding a baby through generating its own milk. So I still think that that's a miracle, but I did appreciate having that pectoral support and just having the tone in my triceps so that I felt, even though I have gained a little bit of weight in my arms, it's not really a lot. Um, I feel pretty strong. I feel pretty toned in my arms. And in fact, when we had our baby shower at uh, our home, which is more of a baby blessing ceremony, I should say, multiple people were like, Oh my God, from, you know, from, um, the rib cage down, you can tell you're pregnant, but from the rib cage up, like you look exactly the same. And again, to me, it's not about looks. It's about feeling strong, feeling connected to my body and having a lot of energy. You know, there's definitely days where I needed two naps and I did not do any working out, but then there's also days where I felt pretty good. And I did my workout, you know, about a 45 minute long between the, the arms and the legs or uh, taking my dog for a walk or a variation combination of those. And 
it gave me such a boost of energy. It helped boost my mood. It helps change my emotions. So I think movement is one of the most important things during pregnancy. It also minimizes swelling and fluid retention. I didn't have and haven't had a lot of swelling, which I've been grateful for. But there were times when I noticed that my fingers were a little bit more swollen or um, not to, not to give, a, give too much information, but um, because of the way that the baby has been putting pressure on my, on my pelvis, you know, there are times when, when my vulva was a little bit swollen. And if I did a little bit of gentle movement and like the arm weights or a few little lunges or squats or took a walk with my dog, the swelling always went down. Now, in rare cases when it didn't, um, then I would just put my legs up the wall. That's a yoga pose you can search on Google and find, and it's a very useful one. However, it does require that your back is flat and that's not totally... um, prescribed for pregnancy. So you can do a variation of that. Like I would put a little bit of a pillow underneath my right hip, but that's another topic. Um, so yeah, the things that I loved about movement, such as walking my dog is that it minimized swelling and fluid retention. It reminded me that I was strong and capable. It gave me a way to connect my mind and my body. When I listened to affirmations and said my affirmations out loud while doing these things like squats, I mean, I would almost be visualizing giving birth to the baby when I was doing a deep squat while saying something that's an affirmation like I'm a wonderful birther or my body knows exactly what to do to give birth to a healthy baby. All of those things felt more real when I was connecting them to a movement in my body. It also was great to spend time walking my dog before I got too far along in my pregnancy because it gave me fresh air and time in nature and new perspective and Even though I felt a very strong call to nest throughout most of my pregnancy, I've been a bit of a hermit. I haven't been quite as social and all of those things. Um, It's still really great to get outside. So I could see the greens in the trees and I could see the different colors, the roses and, you know, the different sites in the neighborhood. And especially if I ever felt like I was in a little bit of a funk and I didn't quite have the energy to do a leg or an arm workout. And then I could go for a walk and I could do what Esther Hicks called the, calls the rampage of appreciation, where you find something you appreciate and then you just keep going more and more and more. So, you know, I'd step outside, I would be like, oh, I appreciate the green that I see. And then oh, I appreciate the color in the roses. And oh, I appreciate that house. It's so funky and different than the other houses on this block. Or, oh, I appreciate that I have legs that can move me and, and help me walk and, and that I get to carry this baby. And I appreciate this. And it, it would just snowball in a good way into totally changing my, my state. And the other thing that I think is important about movement is that it helps to integrate all of these changes to your body. You know, your body is changing quite a bit. And if we're disconnected from our body, if we're just stuck in our mind and we're not doing any movement, then A, we can have more anxiety and kind of freaking out. But B, you know, there's natural things that happen, like our center of gravity changes and we we have a harder time balancing and having movement and strengthening the muscles of the legs and all the little muscles, um, stabilizing muscles through things like walking just has helped me to integrate these changes in my body throughout my life, but especially being pregnant. There's times when I have had issues with my body image or I haven't loved my body or loved the way that she looks. But for me, I found that when I move, when I do something movement-based in my body, simply because it feels good, not because I'm trying to lose weight or look a certain way, I naturally always feel better about my body. And then when I feel better about my body, I make better choices with my eating and my sleep and my self-care. And all of it becomes a virtuous cycle uh, where I feel better and better versus a vicious cycle. So for me, movement was a foundation. Now, I was an obsessive. I would probably do um, some sort of like weights or or lunges or kind of at home sort of stuff, maybe three or four times a week. 
like if I was, if I was having a good week, two leg days and two arm days, and then walking my dog almost every day until I got quite a bit bigger in the third pregnant, third um, trimester. And then it became more challenging to walk my dog solo, but I would walk her with my partner. Um, and I'll talk more later when I talk more about the miscellaneous things. One of the miscellaneous things I do recommend is if you have a big dog to have a dog walker so that maybe once a week, if you're feeling really tired, you have someone that you can ask to walk your dog. If your partner's not around, my partner was traveling a fair amount during the pregnancy. And it was just so nice to know that there was someone who could walk our dog if I just didn't feel well that day or I needed some extra support. So um, it was just one of our friends, basically a guy who's strong and capable and, and knows how to handle our puppy because she's a, she's seven years old, actually. She's not a puppy, but she has a lot of energy. So the other thing that I, I wanted to share is that you know, when we move, we can, in my mind, also find the joy in being pregnant. We can find the strength in our body. We can find the positives. One of the things I don't like about all the pregnancy blogs and sites is that they focus on the negative. Like, oh, you may be experiencing constipation. You may be experiencing backaches. You may be experiencing this. And they might everyone smile say, oh, but guess what? Your baby's coming closer every day. Your baby is, you know, making their way towards you. The 99% of it is, I feel, fear-based and, and negative. And so when I focused on my movement, I not only felt better about myself and it became a virtuous cycle of making healthier choices for food and water and rest, but it also just helped me celebrate like the vitality that I felt being pregnant. I have had a lot of energy, not more energy probably than I had before pregnancy, but a different sort of energy, like a wow, I'm carrying a baby. I'm making a baby. There's nothing I can't do <laughs> sort of energy. So that's my take on movement and let's move into supplements. So I mentioned earlier, Freya. Freya is a tea that you mix into hot water morning and night. So just twice a day and it helps with conception. It helps with menstrual cycles. It helps you connect to your body. I highly, highly recommend it. I started taking Freya, uh, let's see late last spring and then, or sorry, spring of 2018. Then Jason and I got pregnant in October that ended up in a miscarriage, but then we got pregnant again. We conceived again in February. So we got pregnant twice in just a few months. And I really credit that to Freya because I'm someone who pushes the envelope. I'm someone who works pretty hard and, and I love what I do. I'm obsessed with what I do. I love helping women find love and find their pleasure and heal from trauma and create sacred relationship and date like a queen and feel fabulously feminine and all those beautiful things that I get to do. Um, but I, I would say that I do stress my body out or in the past, I have stressed my body out a bit. And so Freya was just a godsend and you can go to freyahealth.com to find and start taking Freya. And then the other supplement is you'll probably get supplements from your acupuncturist. Denise, my acupuncturist in LA had made some blends for me when, uh, when I started seeing her that I also took. And then when I was in my first trimester, she gave me planting seeds, planting seeds, I believe is a pretty common blend. It wasn't a custom blend for her from her. It was something that I started taking. I believe you start taking after you ovulate, like in your luteal phase where the egg is nesting into the uterus. And I believe I was taking that, the ovulation, like the luteal phase even before I found out I was pregnant, but I can't totally remember, but your acupuncturist will be able to help you. Now, other supplements that are important are, as you've probably heard of, folic acid. 
you want to be taking folic acid even before you conceive so that you don't have a deficiency. And so your body is, has got that and has got that going on. So take your folic acid before you conceive. I suggest taking your prenatals before you conceive. You know, there's, if there's no harm in taking prenatals. However, notice that some prenatals are better than others. I really liked baby and me, baby and me, uh, brand, their ingredients come from real food sources. So, you know, from carrots or from blueberries or from wherever they come from. And I'm pretty sure they're organic. It's very high quality. My body really liked it and seemed to assimilate it well. And they don't have calcium in their prenatal. Now that's actually a good thing because calcium blocks iron absorption and iron is very important. Your body is making at least 50% more blood uh, throughout the pregnancy and you need more iron to to have your body and your baby really healthy. Now I tend to be slightly anemic. So iron was really important to me. You may not have an issue with iron and so you might not even really care. But the point is that if your prenatal or if the prenatal that you're looking at has calcium and iron, it's not effective. You're just going to be peeing out the iron. And I would rather have for me iron because I can take calcium separately, but it was a bit of an adjustment because I'm not used to even taking vitamins every day. I wouldn't say that I was a super consistent supplement taker. I tend to go in waves with a lot of things in my life and vitamins were, were no different, but I did start to get on a regular schedule, which is good about July of 2018 when we started conceiving. And then I was maybe not so good, um, right after the miscarriage. I didn't want to think about prenatals, but then I got back on the wagon at some point in January. So baby and me, I think they've got two different formulas, baby and me one or baby and me two. I believe it's very similar. I think baby and me two, you just have to take two pills the entire day. So I would take mine in the morning, the baby and me one formula. I think you took two pills in the morning and two pills at night. So it was just more pills to take. So I chose to take the, the one where you only have to take two pills, but you get the same amount. So look for a good prenatal that comes from high quality ingredients and look to make sure that the calcium and iron are not both in the same pill. The way that I did it is I had my baby and me prenatal that has iron. It doesn't have calcium. And then I have my calcium separately. Now there was a nurse at Kaiser who told me from the very beginning, when we had our first appointment to start taking a separate calcium supplement. And I'm so glad she did because I have seen friends and other people on Facebook who have lost teeth or had root canals or had other crazy things happen with their teeth. And I'm glad that that hasn't happened to me. And part of why is because I've listened to my body, like I was talking about with the pizza, you know, if I've been craving a food, asking myself, what is it that I really need? And oftentimes it's dairy and calcium. So making sure I'm getting my leafy greens, making sure I'm taking or eating um, organic non-hormone, hormone injected, um, Greek yogurt and cheeses, organic cheeses or cheese that's made outside of the United States tends to come from higher quality, higher quality milk. Now I liked to do my calcium at night. My routine is I would do the prenatal in the morning with whatever I had for breakfast, which was typically oatmeal or peanut butter on an apple or hard-boiled eggs. I'm not a huge fan of eggs. It's been kind of a bummer to try to find enough quality breakfasts that work for me because in my previous non-pregnant life, I would do my celery juice and then I would carry me over until sometimes you know, 11 or 12 or sometimes even longer and then I'd have lunch. And then every once in a while I would have quinoa with almond milk, or I would, I would have oats with strawberries and all of that. But I kind of got burned out on oatmeal. I definitely got burned out on eggs because I've never been a big eggs person. So being pregnant, you know, 
caused me to eat differently. So I had more eggs and, and I had, I had to have breakfast every morning being pregnant. It's been impossible to not have, bre- not have bre- breakfast, especially as I um, get further along in the pregnancy. But my point is that the way that I structured it is I did my baby and me prenatal in the morning along with a cod liver oil supplement. So the fish oil supplement can be really helpful as well. It helps you and your brain and your mood. It helps baby with their brain development and their mood. So baby and me prenatal plus the fish oil supplement in the morning. Then for my lunch, I would do iron because like I said, I'm slightly anemic. So I would do iron, iron plus folic acid for lunch. And then for evening time, like after dinner is when I would have a piece of cheese or I'd have something that had, you know, Greek yogurt with blueberries or something that already has calcium. And I would also take my calcium supplement at night. You could structure it however you want. If you have milk in the morning or cheese in the morning, you might want to do your calcium in the morning. But for me, it was important that I started with my prenatal. That's a building block and the most important along with the fish oil and then the iron and folic acid for lunch and then the calcium at night. Um, there is another supplement that I started adding in about halfway through my third trimester, which was a probiotic. And they suggest that you do that so that the flora in your vaginal canal is healthy for baby. So I'm not a huge probiotic person. I know some people are, but I did start adding that. The other thing that my doula recommended, Caitlin Phillips, is to do a primrose oil, evening primrose oil that also adds fatty acids. I don't know if it's DH3 or DH6, but that is also known to help soften and ripen the cervix, which is supposed to make birthing easier, which is a good idea in my book. (laughs) But she does not recommend taking it until the 34th week. So definitely check with your doctor or your midwife or your doula about any supplements. Again, this is not medical advice. This is just what worked for me. So I want to talk about a few other things that worked in terms of supplements. The other thing that I swear by is Pre-Mama, which is a supplement company, has a packet, an energy packet that's a pregnancy-safe energy boost. Now I've always been naturally caffeinated, so I don't drink a lot of coffee. I don't drink a lot of tea or caffeine. I'm one of those people, if I have a green tea at like noon, I can't go to sleep that night. I'm just buzzed, very, very sensitive to caffeine. However, doesn't mean I don't still need energy. And I used to get that energy from working out or from my work, which gives me a lot of adrenaline or from, um, yeah, you know, B12 vitamins and all of that. But what I was looking for is a particular pregnancy safe boost of energy because I did have less energy, less raw energy, I would say, being pregnant because a lot of my energy is going into creating a baby. So their um, their pink energy packet, I forget what it's called, but it's pink. It's a watermelon flavor. It's got B12 and DHA, which is the, the healthy fatty acid Um I love those things. I'm out right now and I wish I had them. I should order them on Amazon right now. Um, Those were really, really helpful. And I found that they also helped me with my morning sickness. I tried these little candies. Gosh, I can't even remember. Preggy Pops. No offense. Awful. Like you look at the ingredient level, it's all freaking corn syrup and a little bit of essential oil. Guess what? You can just put a drop of essential oil in your water or you can put ginger in your smoothie or in your juice or, you know, in your stir fry. Like don't eat the preggy pops. That's my own personal opinion. They actually made me feel worse because the sugar to me doesn't feel good in my system. 
So skip those things. Um, and then there's also these packets of morning sickness electrolytes. I forget exactly what they're called. I think there's a few different brands that are like specifically for pregnancy. Uh, I tried one of those and it was yummy, but it didn't necessarily make my symptoms any better. And it didn't give me energy the way that the pre-mama ones did. So pre-mama packet is something I would do in the afternoon. So just to um, recap, morning with breakfast, I would do my prenatal plus my fish oil. Uh, lunchtime, I would do my, uh, sorry, I would do my iron plus my folic acid afternoon pick me up. I would do the pre-mama energy boost and then evening dinner time or after dinner time is when I would do the calcium. That was my scenario. And that worked really, really well. Now for a morning sickness, which I had for about two to three weeks, I'm pretty lucky. I didn't have it for very long. I never actually puked. And for me, I actually had more food aversion than morning sickness. It wasn't so much that I felt nauseous all the time, but what I discovered is that I was waiting too long to eat. I was doing my old habit, which like I said, was drinking a juice in the morning and then not eating until like 11 or 12 or one, and then not eating again until six or seven. I needed to graze more and I wasn't craving a lot of nuts. Like, I don't know if it's because they just felt like crunchy and it was too much I don't know, too much crunch and I was craving smoother things. But in hindsight, I would have had more, you know, cheese and apples or celery and peanut butter or cucumber and um, uh, organic cream cheese, like things that have a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein and that are relatively healthy for you that have a vegetable or, or a fruit. So I should have been doing those more frequently now that I'm in the third trimester and I literally cannot ignore the hunger pains. Um, I'm I'm tending to eat like every two or two to three hours. So that's working better for me. But because I didn't know that yet in the early stages, kind of week eight, nine, 10, I was going too long between eating. And then I was feeling a little bit nauseous. And then because I was feeling nauseous, I was having food aversion, which means that I didn't want to eat. And then I didn't want to eat. So then I was going longer without eating. And then I would have a bit of like an emotional, like, ah, I'm so hungry, so hungry, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Probably the way that an infant feels. I think part of the pregnancy process, the ups and downs are to give you sympathy and empathy for an infant. Because there were definitely times where I felt waves of emotion or crabbiness or hunger or, you know, rat. <laughs> so it's like nature's way of, of giving us empathy for our infants is to make us feel like, like we're an infant sometime. But you can bypass all of that by just being more prepared than I was with simple snacks that have fat, protein, and a healthy vegetable or fruit and having those every few hours. You know, carrot sticks and hummus are another good example. Or I love just like avocado um, on anything, <laughs> but avocado with a little bit of lemon juice and a sprinkle of sea salt. You can put that on a slice of cucumber. I could, I eat that sometimes with carrots. I know it probably sounds like a weird combo. I also love to dip carrots in Greek yogurt, full fat Greek yogurt. That's delicious for me. Those are just some things that, that worked for me. Um, one thing that did really help with the morning sickness was these things called the C bands. I, I haven't tried the ones that I think are like brass or something, but these are just little, it looks like workout sweatbands from the 1980s, but they have a little plastic nub on them that goes into the meridian on the inside of the wrist that is associated with your, your stomach or with nausea. And if you need to figure out how to get that, you take your index finger, your middle finger, and your ring finger, so three first fingers, excluding the thumb, and you put them on the inside of your wrist, and you let the um, ring finger be at the crease of the wrist, and then the first finger shows you how far down to put the, the C-band, to put that little nub. So three fingers, 
width down from the wrist crease in that little central channel between those little, I guess they're ligaments or bones, I'm not sure, um, probably ligaments, is where the um, where the C-band goes. If you're not sure, just Google it. I know it's hard to tell when I'm just speaking over audio, but those things really did help. I also, for a while, carried around crystallized ginger. The sugar and crystallized ginger, not the best, but it was there for me in a pinch if I needed to. I took those with me to Egypt because we had quite a few bus rides, and I use them every once in a while, but it was never too bad. I really think that pre-mama helped. And then some of the emotional shifts that I made, which I'll talk about later, you know, the emotional and spiritual part of the pregnancy is so important, but I wanted to cover the foundation with movement and supplements and food before we got into that. Now, as I shared in part one, oftentimes people might shame us or say, oh, you're just making it up about morning sickness or, oh, if you really had cleared all your trauma, you wouldn't be feeling this. And I really hate it when people say things like that because it feels like victim shaming. So I don't want to go there. Um, I did have morning sickness and it wasn't super fun. Again, I didn't puke, but I had a lot of food aversion and, and feeling a bit queasy. But my point is that I do think we can learn from our symptoms. Maybe we can't eliminate them. And this isn't about having a perfect pregnancy, but we can learn to find more pleasure through better understanding what the symptoms are telling us and teaching us and through shifting our mood through our food, our food schedule, um, and our movement. I got in this vicious cycle when I was experiencing the food aversion where I would go so long without eating that I would feel nauseous and then the nausea, nausea would make me not want to eat and then it would get worse and worse and then I feel emotional. Um, during that time, there were times where I was at my wit's end because nothing sounded good that I would end up ordering something from takeout. Uh, like one time I ordered mac and cheese and chicken wings. And it was the worst decision ever <laughs> because yes, I mean, it was bland and it was something that, that my stomach felt like it could handle, even though I hadn't puked it, it felt, it felt more palatable than let's say like a green salad. But on the other hand, then I would wake up feeling bloated and off because my body didn't really need, you know, high gluten pasta with a bunch of cheese. What would have been better is to have, you know, like an antipasto, pasto caprese style salad just in my fridge that I could eat at any time when I was feeling hungry. And then I could have made a better choice to cook something or at least gotten, let's say, you know, a chicken bowl at Chipotle or something without a lot of um, cheeses on it or, or kind of heavier things on it. That would have been a much better choice than ordering mac and cheese and chicken wings. So I made plenty of poorer food choices, especially in those three weeks where I was feeling off but for my next pregnancy, I will definitely do more healthy snacking. And I think that that will drastically change, um, change my experience. Um, you may find that there's other recipes that really work for you for combating uh, nausea. I don't know why I didn't have more ginger tea and things like that. I think I could have had more ginger tea. Um, I've heard that peppermint is contraindicated for pregnancy, that you don't want to use a lot of uh, peppermint. And so take this with a grain of salt. But I would put a few drops of peppermint oil sometimes on my temples. And that was just to help me if I felt exhausted or a little bit anxious or worried. Um, again, it's not indicated for pregnancy, so I'm not recommending it. But there are things you can do with essential oils that you might you might want to look into. So that's it for supplements. Let's talk about food. Food is a big deal. We've been talking about it already. Um, your body, I believe, is really wise. And it's going to tell you what it needs in terms of macronutrients and also in terms of micronutrients. So macronutrients are protein, fat, carbs. And then the micronutrients might be more specific things. Um, there were times when I craved salmon like crazy. 
And part of it is because of the fat, but I think it's also partly because of the particular type of fat, like the um, omega-3s or omega-6s. And so if you don't feel that connected to your cravings, if you tend to crave Cheetos or, you know, diet soda or things that don't really have a lot of nutritional value, then you might benefit from doing some body awareness exercises. Those are some things that I teach my clients because it's helpful in dating and in our love life. We need to have a clear line of communication between our body and our mind and our emotions. And sometimes our cravings are more emotional than anything else. But I haven't had any any wild cravings like, you know, eating pickles with ice cream or anything like that. And I think partly because I've just been very in tune with my body the whole time and, and giving her what she needs. So, you know, there were times when I craved more dairy and I was just eating a ton of cheese and Greek yogurt. However, I found that those times correlated to when I wasn't consistent with my calcium supplement. The more consistent I've been with my calcium supplements, eating them and the, having them in the evening and not having them around the same time as I have anything with iron in it, then the the less that I've been having random dairy cravings. Now, every once in a while, like maybe once a month, I still crave ice cream and I let myself have ice cream. It's, a, it's all about pleasure, right? But not being hedonistic to the point where the pleasure becomes pain. And so Greek yogurt, full fat Greek yogurt was a staple for me with blueberries or berries um, or with hemp seed mixed in on top of the berries, sometimes a little bit of honey. That to me was was delicious. And then there's weeks when I craved bison. Uh, bison felt like a really good form of protein for me. And there's weeks when I craved salmon. And so it was interesting to like eat salmon three times in one week or some, I think for two weeks I had like salmon almost every day. And then of course I got sick of it, but my body also started craving something else. And so I got to believe personally that that relates to what the baby is building in the moment. Like if I'm craving a lot of fats, the baby is probably building its brain. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm craving a lot of dairy, it's probably building its bones. Now I would also talk to my baby and, and tell her like, you know what, take everything you need, take whatever you need from me. Take the calcium from my teeth and my bones if you need, but then it's my job as the mama to, to replenish my own stores, so to speak. So she has the first dibs on all of my stuff, but, um, but then it's my job to keep it stocked and replenished so that my health doesn't go down. Other things that were really important for me is fiber. And I had heard that pregnancy causes a lot of constipation. That's not something I've struggled with in the past, so I don't have a lot of experience with that, but it's not something I wanted to wanted to have in my pregnancy. So I made sure to eat chia seeds almost every day and flax seeds and beans often, you know, a few times a week. And because of that, I had had, I have had a very good digestion. I think maybe I've had two instances of being constipated my entire pregnancy. And I got to believe it's because I would have a lot of chia seeds. I would put the chia seeds with my Greek yogurt. I would sprinkle them on top of sauteed greens. I would put them, um, even on eggs, if I made scrambled eggs, or I would mix them in with almond milk and a little bit of honey, or I would mix them in with oatmeal if I was making kind of the overnight oats thing. So for me, chia seeds is my go-to for, for staying regular and not having constipation, but you might have something else that you, you know, that you enjoy. Um, flax seeds I don't use quite as often, but they're still good for the fatty acids and they're also good for, for fiber as well. Uh, you may not like beans. You might not be a beans person. <laughs> That's totally okay. Um, the other reason that I ate a fair amount of beans is because beans have iron in them and iron is something I'm always looking to get more of 
being slightly anemic. So um, the other thing I wanted to say about iron that I forgot to say when we were talking about the supplements is that one thing that helps with iron absorption is a little bit of vitamin C. So a sprinkle of lemon or orange juice or eating an orange or having something, you know, I think tomatoes have vitamin C and strawberries. Having those things when you're eating your iron-rich foods are great. There are whole lists of iron-rich foods, so I'm not going to go into that on this um on this episode, but you can look up iron rich foods if that's something that you need more of or calcium rich foods too. But you'd be surprised how many vegetables have iron and calcium and you don't always have to get iron from meat and you don't always have to get calcium from dairy. So I'm not vegan, but I do eat a more plant-based diet, especially before my pregnancy. And then during most of the pregnancy, it's been primarily, um, primarily plant and veggie based but I do believe in honoring what your body is craving and, and you're making a human. And if you need more meat, then, then have more meat. Most of my first and second trimester, I did not crave meat that much. In my first trimester, I think I craved a hamburger, a high quality organic grass fed hamburger, like maybe twice or like once a month. And then second, second trimester, I did not crave much meat at all. I was mainly eating vegetarian And the third trimester is when I really started craving salmon and bison and eggs again. Uh, But that's just what felt right for my body. Now, something you can do to connect to your body and your baby with your food is before you eat something, you can just ask your baby, what do you want? You know, what do you want to eat right now? And is this what you need? Is this what we need? My baby didn't want a lot of heavy food. She also didn't want too many sweets, which was a bummer for me because I... I'm a huge sweet tooth. I love sweets. I love chocolate. I love all sweets. I love cookies. Um, but I've actually had fewer sweets being pregnant than not pregnant, which is a bit of a trip to me because I expected during pregnancy to be like, Oh yeah, I can eat whatever I want. You know, let's just bring on the cakes and the cookies. And she's been like, no, (laughs) I don't like that too much mom. So of course, you know, at our uh, baby blessing ceremony, I think I had at least two sprinkles cupcakes. I'm obsessed with those. And I definitely had a donut plus a piece of cake when we had the baby shower with Jason's family. But for the most part, on a regular basis, I am eating fewer sweets now than ever before. And actually, I think fewer fruit than ever before. I'm still a massive, massive fruit component, fruit proponent, but I just haven't craved, haven't craved as much sugar. Um, that's what the baby wants. And she also has wanted more vegetarian food. So like I said, beans and quinoa and lots of greens and avocados and, you know, carrots and all these delicious things. So just check in with your baby, check in with your body. And if you can't tell, if you don't have that open line of dialogue with your baby, as I was mentioning before, I think I was mentioning before, you can, you know, work with an energy worker, like someone who does Reiki or someone who's an intuitive and see if they can open the channel for you to talk more with your baby. But I also feel that you are the best person to connect with your baby. And so if you don't feel like that's happening, just start a relationship. Maybe she doesn't tell you or he doesn't tell you much at the beginning, but if you practice multiple times a day, you know, putting a hand on your belly or just kind of saying, hi, baby, what do you need? What do you want? How are you feeling? You will start to hear, I believe you will start to hear those signals. You're, you're wise, you're intuitive, you're intelligent, and you can totally establish that communication. Um, so the other thing that for me, I, I mentioned a little bit is that for whatever reason, super crunchy food did not feel good for me. Like I didn't feel like almonds, I didn't feel like anything that was super crunchy with the exception of celery and carrots. Um, it's not because my teeth were sensitive. My teeth are, my teeth are fine. Um, 
but we talked about some of those snacks like fruits and hard boiled eggs and veggies with hummus and Greek yogurt and uh, blends of fats and, and proteins. And then I loved juicing. This might be a bit controversial because I think some people feel like juicing is more of a purgative, like it, it draws out impurities. But for me, it was essential. I was on the celery juice train when I got pregnant. I had started on December 29th and been doing it religiously every day until I got sick in March before I found out I was pregnant. But even when I was sick, I was doing it almost every day. It's just one of the best things I think you can do. Uh, I kept doing it almost every day through my first trimester and much of my second trimester. And then I would guess, I think I would say about halfway through my second trimester, my body started wanting um, not just straight celery juice. So I started adding things like cucumber, lemon, apple, parsley, ginger, turmeric. I made it into a more well-rounded juice in the morning instead of just the celery. I believe the medical milk the medical medium, which I forgot his name in the last episode, but it's Anthony Williams. I believe he suggests just celery or just a blend of celery and cucumber in the morning. That's part of his plan. And that's what I was doing um, for a lot of the pregnancy. But he also says, you know, follow your body's intuition when you're pregnant and do more cucumber if you need. I thought, you know, doing a juice that has a little bit of, has like half an apple and a whole juice is better than nothing. If that's what my body's craving, that's what my body's craving. And it's better than not having any juice just because it feels like it's too much. So I'm a huge fan of juices. Um, that's enough said on that. And then the other thing that I was going to say is, you know, eat mindfully based on what your body needs. Again, this is not medical advice. This is just what I did. So take it with a grain of salt. You know, I did eat soft cheeses. I did have brie. I did have raw salmon one time. I was craving salmon like nobody's business. And so I got the raw salmon on top of rice. It's the nigiri style of salmon um, just at a supermarket sushi, but a, a nice supermarket, <laughs> high end supermarket. And when I checked out, the lady was like, you know, you're not supposed to have this. And I just said, yeah, I know, but my body wants it. And it was fine. So now I'm not trying to tell you to just disobey all the rules, but I think sometimes those rules were made um, based on a small percentage of the population having had issues. The other thing that I had was oysters. And you're not, I don't think supposed to have a lot of shellfish and definitely not raw shellfish. But my uh, midwife had said, hey, if your iron is low, have oysters. They're a great source of iron. Now, I always liked oysters. I think I didn't even have my first oyster until I was 34 or something. So only five or so years ago, but the times that I've had them, I've, I've absolutely loved them, but I hadn't intuitively thought to have them until she said, no, you know what? You can have oysters. And so Jason and I had an oyster dinner for my birthday at an amazing place in LA called fishing with dynamite. It was recommended to me by, um, by two of my clients and holy cow, it's a great restaurant. It's so cute. But after having those oysters, I felt so lit up, so nourished, so energized that I realized, okay, oysters, my body has a visceral, healthy response to oysters. I feel energized. So then I've had them a few other times in the pregnancy and it's been amazing. It's helped me feel the way that my body probably should feel all the time if I had a higher level of iron. Uh, the other things that I had that are supposedly not that good for you when you're pregnant is I did have decaf coffee every once in a while. I know I mentioned earlier that I am very sensitive to caffeine and decaf coffee definitely has some caffeine. Um, it was a little bit of a treat for me every once in a while to get a full fat, like full, um, hundred percent, whatever, you know, regular milk, <laughs> regular milk latte decaf. Um, I think the, the full fat and the, and the milk helps the tiny bit of caffeine that is in there to be more assimilated into the body. But that was something I did every once in a while. And then on the Egyptry trip, 
Egypt retreat, Egypt trip, we had ceremonial cacao. So that's raw cacao. It's totally legal and, and wonderful. And it's just like cocoa, but it's different. It's, it's the raw cacao and it has medicinal properties in that it's a heart opener. I believe it's a vasodilator. There is some caffeine in it, obviously, but I would do very small doses of that when we were on a retreat. And then a little bit afterwards too, I took some cacao back to the States with me um, that the retreat leader was selling. Again, this is basically chocolate, but there's no additives in it. There's no sugar, there's no anything. And you can add a little bit of cayenne and or a little bit of cinnamon um, to activate it. In fact, the cayenne I think is very important to add. It helps the cacao to be assimilated into the body. The cinnamon I believe is more just a taste thing. So I keep mine pretty traditional. I just do raw cacao with, um, with cayenne. And so I did a little bit of that a few, a few times. And that was, that was part of my heart opening. That was part of my journey of being pregnant. I had enjoyed cacao ceremonies before, before being pregnant. Um, and it was something that I wanted to continue every once in a while. In fact, I still have a little bit left that I'm wondering if I will use it all before baby comes. And I might, I may feel called. The other things I wanted to share about food is let's talk about weight gain. So a lot of women obsess about their weight when they're not pregnant and obsess about their weight when they are pregnant. Uh, if you've heard some of my other episodes, I did have a bit of an eating disorder when I was in high school, um, a little bit in high school, but more so in college. Uh, I had a bit of anorexia and bulimia. Now it wasn't diagnosed, so I'm not saying, you know, woe is me and, and pity me. Um, but I, there were times in college when I was puking up my food for sure to, um, I guess, try to control my body. And then times where I was purposely not eating. Uh, and again, in order to try to control my body and my anxiety at that point, I wasn't even aware of or working on my sexual trauma and other things that were a big part of why I was having issues with food. But the point is that I wanted to be healthy in my pregnancy and I didn't want to obsess about weight. I don't weigh myself in my regular non-pregnant life and I didn't want to weigh myself in my pregnant life because I think it would just drive me crazy. And what I noticed is that my weight when I went to the doctor, it fluctuated quite a bit. So the reason I want to share that is just to normalize this process. You know, there was a month where we had been traveling in Italy. It was in, after Egypt, we went, to, uh, we went to Italy and I ate so much in Italy. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, and it was totally worth every morsel. It was, it was amazing, but I gained seven pounds in that month. That was month four, I guess, four and a half to five and a half of my pregnancy. And yeah, I gained seven pounds, which is considered to be a lot in the second trimester, but I didn't worry about it too much. It was just like, yeah, I was just in Italy and I ate a lot of gelato and you know what? I probably would have gained five pounds even if I hadn't have been pregnant. So I was just really compassionate with myself. And when we came home, I just got back to my regular routine of you know, mainly a plant-based diet with some high quality, organic, full fat dairy and lean um, meat every once in a while. Although at that point I wasn't really craving a lot of meat. And then I was continuing to do my like squats and my little arm weights and walking the dog. And then the next month when I went to the doctor, I had only gained one pound. So, you know, between those two months, I gained eight pounds or four pounds, you know, a month total. And I think the month after that, I had only gained in my sixth month or seventh month, I only gained two pounds. So it just fluctuated quite a bit. So I would recommend don't weigh yourself every day. Don't even weigh yourself every week. Just weigh yourself at the doctor and let it be what it is. Now, if you're way off the scales and or the charts, you know, in terms of where you're supposed to be, your doctor will tell you that. But I don't think we need the added stress of worrying about our weight. I feel better 
not worrying a bit about what the scale is saying and feeling more into how does my body feel? Am I moving my body? Am I listening to the symptoms as they come up? Am I eating healthy foods based on what my body needs and based on what my baby needs? And then it feels like everything sorts itself out. I have that mentality and that mindset because that's the mindset that I've had pre-baby. Uh, I don't weigh myself in my non-pregnant life. It's just not good for my mindset. It, it's not where I want to put my energy. I focus more on just feeling good and feeling good doing the healthy things and still letting myself have pleasure, right? <laughs> like eating the ice cream when I want. Um, personally, I let myself, when I splurge, I let myself get the really high quality stuff. Really, really nice ice cream or really, really nice chocolate or really, really nice made, you know, homemade organic pasta. And then when I'm not eating a splurge thing, I, I let it be healthy and I let it be as, as healthy as possible. Um, the funny thing about that fluctuation where gaining, gaining seven pounds in a month and then only one pound the next month is I literally can watch my body change. Like I noticed when I came back from Italy, I had a little more fat all over in my thighs and my arms and my belly and my breasts and my face. And then over the next month, it feels like everything kind of thinned out and that fat went to the baby. And so I still have maternal fat stores, as my friend said they're called, <laughs> um, a little bit in my upper arms and, of course, in my thighs and um, the sides of my belly and a little bit in my face. But for the most part, the weight I had gained kind of migrated to where it needed to be in my belly and um and that's just how it went. So had I gone to Italy in my eighth month of pregnancy, maybe it would have been different. You know, maybe I would have gained even more weight. But the point is, listen to your body and eat what your body and the baby needs and try to make the healthy, healthy choices. With that being said, like I mentioned, I had times where I ordered mac and cheese and chicken wings from a not very high quality place. And that was an awful, awful decision. I also had ordered at one point lo mein from a, um, from a Chinese place, also a bad decision because I think what my body was really craving, but I was so hungry that I didn't listen to it is it was actually craving enriched grains like iron and fiber. And you can get that in, um, enriched pastas or enriched flours or, you know, other sort of, I was basically craving a more complex carb that had, um, had nutrients in it, but instead of actually having like oats or quinoa, I ordered lo mein and I got bloated and it just didn't feel very good. So what I'm trying to say is have a grocery store nearby that has a really high quality hot food bar like Whole Foods or Sprouts or other places. So if you're in a pinch, you can just drive there and fill up on something that's hot and delicious and nourishing and high quality or have takeout menus for healthy places or places that have healthier options um, versus just going on Yelp and being like, what do I feel like? Because that's what I had done. Going on Yelp and asking myself what I felt like. And I was like, oh, pasta, but I don't want Italian. Okay, I'm going to do lo mein. You know, lo mein doesn't really have much nutritional value because I ordered a vegetarian version of it. I'm not big on ordering meat dishes from restaurants where it's not high quality meat. So anyway, um, one other point actually on that, my husband and I normally go to an Indian place in LA in Culver City that we love and they were closed the other night. So we went to another Indian place and we ordered a dish and I felt kind of agitated when I was eating it. And I think it's because there was a lot of spice, but being pregnant, I've actually enjoyed spice more than ever. And so I actually think it's because I ordered a chicken dish and it was probably chicken that was not humanely raised. And, um, it felt like I was eating the stress of the chicken. Literally, it felt like I was eating the hormones and the, the, um, the adre um, adrenal, whatever, <laughs> I can't even talk right now. Too much talking with pregnancy, right? Um, it felt like I was eating the hormones of the chicken. And so 
if you are going to have meat, I think it's really important to eat meat that is pasture raised and treated um, treated humanely and, and all of that. I, I can feel the, in my body the difference when I order meat when I'm out and about and it's not it's not from a high quality place that treats um, that treats our food sourcing in a really high integrity way. So have takeout um, menus or, or bookmarks on your phone on your phone from places that are high quality. The other thing I just want to share is that, you know, my body was more sensitive to gluten during pregnancy than pre-pregnancy. I've never had an issue with gluten. I've never been gluten sensitive. Uh, I don't have a big sugar crash normally. I have a pretty um, good relationship with gluten and with carbs. In fact, when I did my gluten or my um, diabetes screening in the early stages of pregnancy, I think the normal range is like 70 to, I don't know, 160 or something, maybe 120. I was on the very, very low end. I was like at 78 or, or something. So I've always been pretty, pretty good with that. However, you know, I just noticed that I was a lot more sensitive to gluten and then I was also more sensitive to, ironically, whey. Now, eating dairy wasn't a problem when it was high-quality dairy, but I had read on a site like, oh, have whey protein in your smoothies. So I ordered this massive container of like high-quality whey. I made a smoothie out of it, and it literally made me pass out like within 30 minutes, and I felt awful. And then I tried to do it again, like an idiot. A few months later, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll try the way maybe that was just a fluke. And again, I felt so horrible after eating it. So whey might be totally fine for you. But for me, whey in a concentrated form and gluten, um, just haven't been my friend during pregnancy. So I'm not gluten free by any means. And I'm not dairy free at all. Um, I've eaten more dairy being pregnant than when I wasn't pregnant. But I am really cautious about the sourcing of it or, or you know, high, how high quality is. I also tried something <laughs> in the last few weeks. I was worried about my colostrum not coming in. I don't know why I was like obsessed with what if my don't what if I don't get my milk. And so I started eating more fennel and ginger a few weeks ago, and my colostrum came in. So I'm not saying you need to do that. The baby's not here yet. She doesn't need my colostrum yet. I shouldn't have been worried about it. But if you want to, you can also eat more breast milk foods. Um, some of them are fennel and ginger. Those were the two that I used. I just sauteed fennel. I like the taste of fennel. It's, it's delicious to me. So that was fine. And then I started adding a little bit of ginger in my, um, in my juices. Now I love leafy greens. They have so many benefits. I'm not going to go on about those, but that was a key part and has been a key key part of my pregnancy with the exception of those few weeks when I was feeling the food aversion. I did not crave any leafy greens raw or cooked, and I did not force myself to eat them. Um, you might feel differently. You might just totally dig on the leafy greens the whole time, but I strongly advocate having as many leafy greens as possible. Have smoothies if you need to. Um, for a while I was having like a blueberry coconut water, spinach and lime juice smoothie. That was really good. Um, I think I would add a banana to that as well. So yeah, you can always add more leafy greens. And then the last thing that I want to say about food is water, 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 water. You need to drink about double what you normally would drink, I feel. I know they say, I think, like eight glasses of eight ounces, but that's how much I was drinking before I had a baby. So I drink a ton of water, and I'm still drinking a ton of water. Most of it would just be plain. Sometimes I would add some 100% concentrate, non-sugar-added cranberry juice, and that gave it just a little bit of tang or lemon juice. Uh, I don't know that you want to do that like the entire day because both of those are astringent, but they do, um, they do help to me change the taste of the water. 
And what I did as a little hack is I bought a beautiful water bottle. I bought like a $100 water bottle, which seems ridiculous, but it's one of those glass water bottles. The company I used is called VitaJewel, V-I-T-A-J-U-W-E-L. And I um, got the one that has, it has like crystals in the bottom and this little pod that you screw in. And the crystals are, are covered in glass, so they're not exposed to the water. But when I look at it, I feel pretty. When I drink out of it, I love it. I got the rose quartz one, and so it's like the love version of it. But they have vitality, they have strength, they have all these different like blends of types of crystals that are in this water bottle and totally food safe and, and safe to drink. So that made me want to drink more water. I was like, oh, I'm drinking love water for my baby. It's going to nourish her. And so... That was the best $100 I've ever spent because I probably drink out of it four or five times a day in addition to, you know, having glasses of tea and all of those other things. So it's absolutely worth it. So that's the scoop. That's the skinny on food, on supplements, on movement. We are going to wrap it up and then have our part three of the pleasurable pregnancy where we talk about body care. We talk about little tips and tools and tricks. We talk about how to keep the partnership going healthy and sexy, and then also how to navigate the emotional ups and downs, as well as the creative potential of your pregnancy. So stay tuned for part three, and I will see you there. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love, because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review.